Join Scotty and Hands Monday or Thursday. What is this? Join Hands Scotty and Hands Monday, Thursday, February 6th. That'll be Thursday, February 6th. From 12 to 3 at Sound Sleep Medical at 8941 South, 700 East in Sandy. All right. Don't sleep on it. Yeah, really. <laughs> Bada-bing! All right, so we've got uh, Utah basketball uh, melding into the NBA, melding into old-time uh, Utah basketball, and I think it all eventually ties back to the Jazz. How so? Let's start, let's start with uh, uh, the more recent Utah basketball, Jakob Pertl. That was some awesome video of him headed up the tunnel while the whole San Antonio bench chuckled. And there was a part of me watching that thinking, well... Yeah, it is kind of funny, but you're an NBA player and you don't put on your jersey, and that's funny. You're, you're trying to get into the playoffs here. Isn't anybody, like, fired up? But, Yak, <laughs> Yak, did you see this? PK's got a theory on this. So, uh, Popovich is laughing. He's, well, giggling more than laughing, but still he's bemused. And then Becky Hammond's sitting there giggling on the bench, too. And I'm like, Becky Hammond was giggling? Yeah, I could see her. She was right, sitting right next to Pop. <laughs> Becky Hammond? Yes. <laughs> Does anybody here care? Are so you saying Becky Hammond him? doesn't care? Didn't look like it. She thought it was funny. She wants to be the first female head coach. She's Becky yeah. Hammond. There it is. Yeah. Becky Hammond. Jakob. Jakob Pertle, put on your jersey. So he forgot to put on his jersey? Undershirt and sweats. He takes the sweats off to go in a game. He's got a, you know, the spurs are black and silver. He's got a black undershirt and he's got no uh, he's got no jersey supposed to say spurs have a logo have a number not, none of that he's jerseyless exactly wow is that like the dream where you dream you're naked in front of a class except this wasn't a dream this was on tv but he wasn't nude that's a bonus pardon huh <laughs> 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 Maybe for you it's a bonus. Hey. <laughs> Is it a sub bonus? <laughs> I can remember when I was a kid, we, we, we had this community pool, and John Baranowski, we're getting ready to go swimming, and he took off, he had shorts over himself. He pulled down his shorts, mm-hmm. didn't have his bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Whoops! But uh-oh, he had his fruit of the looms on. Woo! Yeah, but bad. He was, but it could have been worse. But he was embarrassed that he forgot to put on a swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you were on Twitter, Keith Van Horn uh, went to work, and I thought this observation was spot on. If what? they hang Hill's banner next to the sweater for coach, well, Majerus may come back to life. What does that mean? They didn't get along great. And we're just getting along with no one. Right. <laughs> so, But Chris was his boss. So that's juicier than the fact that he didn't get along with uh, the video person or the assistant women's basketball coach or the head women's basketball coach or the SIG. Just show basic human, human decency. decency. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Okay, but that, that reflects negatively on Chris Hill. Is that fair to reflect negatively on Chris Hill when it could, been, could have been fill in the blank any person? Right. I just think it's uh, well. It's because they're so public, so fair. Uh, no, but it's but because it's, they it's, have, it's they so, have, it's paints Chris Hill in a negative light. They have right, except that it's offset by the fact that we know it could be anybody. It's just that Chris is going to have his jersey. Well, not his jersey, but his a name. Uh, yeah, on a banner, and the assistant SID isn't. 
Right, but so, that's so, you know, Keith's tweets are usually funny about Majerus quotes, and almost every one that he tweets, I've heard. I've heard in one version or another, because Majerus was a lunatic. Andre Miller, why don't you just transfer to Westminster and take Chapman with you? Why we bring Doug Chapman into this? Van Horn, you can't score enough points to make up for your bleep defense. Oh, I yeah. can only call a spade of spades. I, I heard that one a million times. Joe Smith made him a punching bag over in Maui. I mean, I was there for all of. I, I mean, I was there literally for Van Horn's entire career at Utah. I got to see Alex Jensen. I got to see Alex Jensen the other day. He looks awful. Put on 40 pounds on his mission. Now he looks like all those BYU guys, bald with a flat tire around his waist. Yeah. Alex Jensen's decision to go on a mission, they say, cost Van Horn a shot at the Final Four because they got the regional final in Kentucky with Ron Mercer beat him up in San Jose. And if yep. Alex would have been on the team instead of being in England, I think it was, he would have slowed down Mercer and they would have won that game. I've heard that story a trillion times also. Alex did come back and did go to the Final Four. Preston, the only person in the world that can make that pass is 6'9", played for the Lakers and has HIV. Make the simple pass. Speaking of magic there, that's Terry Preston who was uh, a guard that he ran off, and the youth sympathizers thought, well, he ran him off. No, no, Terry just got a great job. Mm-hmm. No, they thought McTavish was the guy, so they chased off Preston. McTavish was a freshman. McTavish came in, had two turnovers when Andre Miller hurt, hurt his hand against San Jose, or uh, against Kentucky and San Jose. And then McTavish later was run off, and I think went to Iowa Ida- State. Idaho State. Did I say Iowa? Yeah, yeah I'm in Idaho. Yeah, we went Idaho up State. the street. Um, and then he came back and just lambasted Majerus. He thinks he's the B.O. end all of basketball. All these stories are right in my wheelhouse. Hunt, translate this to Ma. No play defensey, <laughs> no get in the gamesy. <laughs> Ryan Hunt, who was a walk-on on the team, and he spoke the language. I think he, I, well, I know he did. He served a mission where Ma Jin was from. Ma Jin, who started a little bit, and then we're over in Maui, and it was, uh, and he buried th- him. they were playing Maryland, and he went, Majerus wanted the last shot, and Ma Jin, who had the hardest shot of anybody I've ever seen, takes a shot with about five, or about eight seconds to go, and I think they were down by five, and then uh, he clanks it, leads to a long rebound, Maryland gets the uh, rebound, goes in, makes the bucket, gets fouled. So instead of a three-point deficit, it's now eight. And Bruce Woodbury, the departed dear Bruce Woodbury, I said to him at halftime, I said, that's it. Majin is done. He won't play in the second half. And then with about a minute to go, they put him in. And Bruce Woodbury said to me, see, you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) See, you were wrong. Garbage (laughs) stuff. Keith Van Horn just keeps tweeting away last night. Carlton, your life is like an effing country song. My pickup truck broke down. My girlfriend left me. I mean, stop being such a bleep. Yeah, you got to be careful. Will Carlton out of Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Now, who's this? This one I don't. Will Carlton. I don't remember him. Big dopey white kid that they brought in oh, from really? Kentucky. And uh, his moment, his one moment was when they were in Dallas. And I think they were playing uh, Canisius, maybe. And Van Horn was sick. And so they kept him back at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And everybody was nervous. 
and uh, they're trying to hide it. And I was like, wait a second, where's Van Horn? I don't see him. So I found out. So he's sick, and they left him back in the hotel, and they started Carlton, and he had a big game, and they just rolled. That was, uh, I think, Keith's junior year, and they went to the Sweet 16. They beat Iowa State in the second round and then got slaughtered by Kentucky. Up in Minneapolis. Pope, Mark Pope was on that team. Yeah. I was going to say, Mark Pope that was Kentucky for Kentucky. Team, that Kentucky team was loaded. In Minneapolis. Like and I remember or... going to the, it was, uh, I think, the pregame press conference the day before. And Pope's up on the stand there. And, you know, you sit down below and they're above and there's light shining. And you'd raise your hand and to, to try to get the guy's attention. And he'd look at you. And so then you'd have eye contact when you're asking the question. And Pope, I, I asked him about this. He said he didn't remember it. But I remember just busting up. And uh, the guy's waving his hand to get Pope's attention, and Pope's looking the other way. And Pope just says, yeah, I see. I just don't want to look at you. (laughs) 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 And Majerus would plant guys to ask him a question so he could be funny. Guys... I won't mention the name. He'd plan a guy, a guy would, who had a credential because he was sort of a media guy. He'd ask them. He'd ask the question that Majerus would ask him to ask. Sort of a media guy. Yeah, like a PR person or something. No. Oh. broadcaster, and uh, and so then he would ask the question, and Majerus would have the funny answer, and the out of town media oh! would <laughs> they eat it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be at the NCAA tournament press yeah. conference, and you could literally hear yeah. a line and think. He said that like three weeks ago. Yeah. He was test driving it on right. a regular season right. game. And, but it was new to them, and he, yeah. he knew how to work a crowd better than anybody as far as uh, who my audience is. And uh, he would set that up. Of course, that broadcaster uh, at some point shortly thereafter no longer was on speaking terms with the guy because that's what it was. So that, that's there's, the type of relationships he had. There's a lot of tweets here about uh, Keith getting yelled at about his defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, Keith, why don't you and Carroll transfer to Cal and let the good times roll? They play your type of defense. <laughs> Jimmy Carroll. Cal, Cal was one of the schools that uh, Keith considered. I think it came down to SC, Cal, and Utah. And Jimmy Carroll was a kid who was from the Sacramento area. And Cal had been pretty good in that era. They'd had Jason Kidd. Had a little more, uh, oh yeah, know, Lamont a, little, a little more sizzle than they have right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keith, your high school coach did you a disservice by sitting you in a two-three zone for four years. Your defense makes me want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> that is my favorite. He would always say, uh, "You can't score enough points to make up for bad defense." The, only, the way it would work back in those days, the locker room was open, so you'd go into the squad room, and Majerus would give his thing when you know. He would rail, rail on his guys. And then I'd go in the locker room, and Keith would be sitting there, and he'd call me over. What'd he say? And I'd tell him what he said, and then he'd just mumble some stuff that would just blow off some steam. And then he'd look at me, and he'd say, okay, now we're on the record. And it was like every game. We'd just <laughs> Got to Let me get stuff out, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll... It was the pattern every time. But... You know, Keith became very close to Majerus afterward. Uh, and they had a re- very, very strong relationship. Sitting in an Italian restaurant on the hill in St. Louis, listening to Coach Majerus go on a Chris Hill rant was probably the funniest hour of my life. I'll have to save those for later. Three laughing till he's crying. Yeah, you know, I would be hesitant to do that if I were Keith because I think it paints Chris in a bad light. 
that he doesn't deserve because he had to be Majerus's boss and that had to be a really difficult job? Absolutely. Because yes. Rick wanted to do whatever Rick wanted to do. Rick didn't want to have a boss. Trying if to, he wanted to drive maintain on the, or manage or whatever you want to call it, that guy, that was difficult. If you wanted to drive on the sidewalk and go airborne and fly around a corner when there might be somebody walking on the sidewalk, oh well. And plus, when they retired his Majerus' jersey, Chris Hill stood on the Huntsman Center floor and said good things about him. And it was a strained relationship. But Chris did not... But he took the high road. Completely. At a moment when yes. he really did need to take the high road. And, and I yeah. can tell you stories about that relationship. First-hand stories, not second-hand. First-hand. First-hand stories. But why besmirch Chris at this time? I, I When they're going to, especially this week, when they're going to honor him at, on Saturday. With a cow. Cow's in town. Yeah, 31 years, right? He was the yep. athletic director. Yeah. And that's a phenomenal run. We'll, uh, we'll try to get him on the end of this week, Yuck. I had him on uh, TV when it was uh, just after it was announced, and uh, he told some good stories, and I didn't know this, although I probably should have, and you probably did, um, but the thing that um, means the most to him out of all of this is it's his life coming full circle. He used to go into Rutgers, and his thing on the wall that honored uh, his grandfather, whose name I'm forgetting right now, um, and now he can take his grandkids. No, no, that's the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, uh, and now he can take his grandkids to the Huntsman Center, and his name is going to be there. And it kinda, yeah, it kind of comes full circle. But, so. but I don't. If we get him on, that's fine. I don't want to just reminisce uh, because to me, that's like talking about Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. I already know all that stuff. I think Chris still has his pulse on what the Pac-12 needs to do uh, as far as getting itself where it needs to get. No, oh, I would love to hear that. I'd love to hear his opinions. Well, I know Wilner from San well, no, Jose. We've heard reports is, that he was very vocal yeah, in these meetings. And, right. And but, Wilner's got in touch with him and given him some, he's spoken to him about stuff going forward rather than reminisce about something that happened in 1994. What does Chris think the conference needs to do going forward to better itself and position itself to be able to compete on a much higher level than they are right now? DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, we're talking jazz basketball with Ben Anderson. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows. He's next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Clippers win again. They beat the Spurs 108-105. to Dallas Mavericks pick up a win over Indiana. Chris Stapps Porzingis goes for 38 points and 12 rebounds. He has a huge game. Luka Doncic has now missed three games in a row, but Dallas picks up the win anyway. Former Stanford starting quarterback K.J. Costello will join Mississippi State as a grad transfer and play his final season for Mike Leach in Starkville. Big Ten Conference ADs are supporting a one-time transfer exemption for all sports, including football, which would allow college athletes to move from one D1 school to another without sitting out a year. Top of the Wire brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res two-day sale is on. Clean three areas and get the fourth for free. The best kick that winter grind. Fourth area is free. Sale ends today. Don't miss it. Schedule Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. This eight-year-old Swedish girl in a lake in Sweden stepped on something in this lake. She pulled it up 
and it was a thousand year old Viking sword. If you found something that was a thousand years old and priceless, like do you call authorities or well, do you get to keep this? I mean, is this no, yours now? No, this was taken from her. The only thing she's going to get is recognition well, then, that she found it. If I ever find a dinosaur bone that's rare, I'm just going to keep it. The last thing I want is somebody marching into my front room declaring prima nocta on that thing and taking it. Prima nocta. Yeah, it's an old saying when you could come in and take anything you wanted. Oh yeah, that's nice. Well done by you. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Ben Anderson. You hear him on the Utah Jazz pre-half and post-game shows right here on The Zone. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung. Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning. I assume wherever you go, people who know you and know what you do, Want to talk about the Jazz. What's wrong with the Jazz? They won 19 out of 21. Now they lost four in a row. What is wrong? Ben, what's wrong with the Jazz? They won 19 mm. out of 21. Now they lost four in a row. Right now, it's teams seem to have figured out that if you attack them off the dribble without setting a screen uh, or you go small, you can really kind of take Rudy Gobert out of the game because if you attack either Royce O'Neal or Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley, whoever it is at this point, Joe Ingles, uh, and get into the paint without your big coming and setting a screen, then Rudy Gobert has to come over and help. If he has to come over and help, well, he leaves his man unguarded, and the Jazz communication right now defensively has just not been very good. So teams are scoring a lot of points, and that's why the Jazz defensive rating over the last four games has been third worst in the NBA. They're just they're hemorrhaging points when they're out there, and, and honestly, the, the offense hasn't been that good either. The offense has dropped down to about 20th over the last four games as far as offensive rating goes. So it, it is on both sides of the floor. But, but the majority of it is on the defensive side of the ball. And, and a lot of it does just have to do with containing the ball at the point of attack. And that's something that uh, I'm sure Quinn Snyder's been focusing on over the last few days. Well, and then is that easily correctable? Uh, I, it, it's hard because that's a personnel thing. Uh, it, it's that the Jazz don't have an elite wing defender. I know a lot of people like Royce O'Neal and do like Royce O'Neal and deservedly so, but he's more versatile than he is a lockdown defender. He's great because one night he'll guard Kyrie, and then the next night he'll guard Giannis. And that's awesome to watch a guy do that. But he doesn't lock anyone down. He doesn't shut anyone down, really. So that's maybe the issue is the Jazz don't have that type of player. Uh, Not that that player really exists a ton in the NBA anymore. We don't have a lot of Gary Paytons in the world uh, or Michael Jordan in their prime that that go out and stop somebody defensively on the wing like that. So... uh, it has to be fixable, and yes, the Jazz will find out ways to fix it, and some of it is, you know, wh- where are you picking up Damian Lillard? I-, I get that he's a threat to shoot the ball from 40 feet, but would you rather him shoot the ball for 40 feet, or would you rather him get to the paint and get a layup? You'd probably give up the 40-footer. Uh, Eric Gordon, the Jazz, were a little bit uh, sloppy, as Quinn Snyder had said. He just said they were they were picking him up in the wrong spots. So some of it is just playing the numbers and, and gambling a little bit on, on how much room you're willing to give up and how much space you're willing to give up to fix that. And I, I have no doubt that the Jazz can fix it because we've seen long stretches where they've been great defensively, whether it was the first 10 games of the regular season or uh, a stretch in, in early December when the team started to climb back up and get their defense back to being top 10. I'm sure they can fix it. They might not be elite ever perimeter, uh, elite defensively on the perimeter this year, but they should be able to solve some of these issues. 
Well, you know, they think the thinking was when they traded favors, hey, you're not going to be elite defensively, but you'll still be pretty good. And you'll be really good offensively, so it'll be okay. So, I, And I get your point about guys are getting taken off the dribble because well, guys are getting taken off the dribble. But that's like one of the first things to work on. You don't really need to bring a screen over unless your guy can't take somebody off the dribble. So it doesn't seem like this would be totally new for NBA coaches to do this. Uh, it seems there's like there's a little bit of you just got to stay in front of your man. If you can't stay yeah. in front of your man in basketball, you're going to get beat anyway. Guys, you got to really lock in and stay in front of your guy. Yeah, guard your guy. I mean, that that was a, you know, I'm, I'm editing that down a little bit, but that was a Jerry Sloanism. <laughs> stay in front of your own man. Help defense. The best defense is not needing help defense. If you don't need anyone to come help you and you can do it by yourself, that that's ideal. And, you know, Luka Doncic is six foot eight and 215 pounds and runs really fast and is good with the ball in his hands. He's hard to stay in front of him. Right now, Damian Lillard's the best player in the world over the last six games, just what he's doing. We have almost never seen before in NBA history, and so he's going to torch you, and then Eric Gordon occasionally is going to have a career night, and he's going to do it against the Jazz, or he's going to do it against the Raptors. It's just you are going to be on the wrong end of some of those games. So some of this could be some small sample size. Also, the Jazz were playing so well for 21 games. Maybe they're a little tired, or maybe they took their foot off the gas pedal because they realized they were just blitzing teams and running away with games, and they just let the defense get away from them a little bit because that's an effort thing, and they they were winning what felt like relatively easily. I think if you were watching, they were just blowing teams out for stretches of games, and, and then it was over, and teams are going to adjust to that. Teams are going to catch up to you. I think that's where the Jazz are right now. So you don't want to overreact to anything that goes on in January and February, but with that in mind, how important are these next five games for the team's psyche going into the All-Star break? I think psyche is a good word for this team because if I was going to say what else is wrong with this team is they seem to go with whichever momentum is at their back. And if it's positive or negative, they're going to trend in that in that direction. So in early December, late November, when they lose you know four out of five on that road trip and are getting blown out by 20 and 40 in Toronto – they, they didn't seem to have an ability to really stop that. Now, I understand those were really good teams and the Jazz were struggling against good teams. But then once things start going right a little bit and they get that momentum, they really start to play well. And then that carries them to winning 19 games out of 21. And that might be them being young, even though I know they've got some veterans on their roster right now with Mike Conley and, and Boyan and Joe Ingles has been around a little bit. But I do think that they still kind of trend in the direction of what their last couple of games have done. And and that's why when you do give up a loss to Houston like you did and then lose to San Antonio, it's hard for them to slow it down. So having these three days off is huge. You've got to beat Denver. You have to hope you can snap what Portland's doing because Damian Lillard's been so good. And then you get, what, Houston and Dallas and Miami still. So you've got a really brutal stretch. You, I think you want to go three and two. If you can go four and one, you're in great shape. Obviously, five and zero oh would be incredible. That's probably not going to happen. But if you can win the majority of these games, I think you feel good going into the All Star break. I think the one thing that is clear that teams have uh, have discovered and have worked on is that when Rudy Gobert is out of the game, you have to go on a run and you have to attack the hoop and you have to get layups because Rudy's not there to take him away. And Quinn's now, he tried one backup center, he tried the other one, he's gone back to Davis here, but they give up a 12-0 run when he's on the floor, and so I'm assuming the front office is looking around, seeing can we find a guy, can we bring somebody in, can help us, but in the meantime, since Quinn's tried both guys, what do you think about just going small and putting another offensive-minded player on the floor, and you might still give up the 12 points, but at least you could score two or four, 
three or six, I guess, the way these guys shoot. Could you play Boyan with Joe Ingles, with Royce O'Neal, and try to put a, a, one, a, a small offensive lineup out on the floor? Yeah, and the Jazz should have some options to do it. In fact, I mean, I think that's what Jeff Green was here for, uh, was with that idea that the Jazz could play five out and have a smaller center that wouldn't absolutely get you killed down low. Now, I don't know if Boyan can honestly play center and, and the Jazz just not give up, you know, buckets of points. They, they just they just might not be able to do that. But, you know, between George Niang or even a guy like Jawan Morgan, who they've signed and is on the roster full-time, he could maybe step in and get some of those minutes. I, I think they've liked what they've gotten from Tony Bradley, and I actually think his ability to be a little bit of an offensive threat as a roller has really helped the team, and that's the major difference between he and Ed Davis, is that he can catch the ball on the roll, and, and teams have to guard him, and as a result, the Jazz have success. But, yeah, the, the five-out D4 offense m- might be the Jazz' best solution or something they can look at, whether that's something they try and address at the trade deadline coming up here on Thursday or, or just by going with the players they have because, yeah, if you're getting killed every time Rudy Gobert's off the floor and you're minus 12, uh, even if you're plus 13 with him on or plus 10 with him on, minus 12 with him off, that's a bad equation. So maybe the best thing you can do is say, hey, can we cut that minus 12 to minus 6? Because if mm-hmm. that's enough, you guys can still win more games than they lose. And they do win more games than they lose. I, I want to make sure we're not hitting the panic button if you're a Jazz fan. But th- I'm sure that's going to be the main focus. It's of looking either to improve the team uh, by the trade deadline or in the buyout market after the after the trade deadline passes. So you think they're going to live and die with Conley as a starter from here on out? I, I think you probably give him 15 games. I, I mean, I think he's certainly earned it in his career, and, and I, I think it's somebody you roll with, and you can see how potent he can be. He was he was certainly dangerous in uh, Portland, and you know even as good as Dame was, was, was kind of going toe-to-toe with him through the first half, and then somebody needs to step up in the second half. I mean, Mike Conley can't be that guy. He's not going to score 40 points. It's not who he is. It's really not who he's ever been. Uh, but when he gives you a 20-point first half, Boyan needs to give you a 20-point second half, or Donovan Mitchell needs to do that. And the Jazz really didn't get that as much. They didn't have somebody else pick you up or pick the team up. But they're designed that way. They're designed to have five guys who can go off for 20 every night, and they need two or three of them to do it. And, you know, for the most part, Donovan Mitchell has done it, and Boyan Bogdanovich has done it. If three guys do it, the Jazz need to win those games. And I didn't think they really had anyone who did it in the second half of the team. They just didn't have a way to stop what was going on. And again, Portland played great, and, and Damian Lillard's fantastic. But you saw how good Mike Conley can be in that first half. You, I just don't think we can expect him to be a superstar or an all-star, despite the fact that he makes $30 million. Ben Anderson joining us here on Jazz pre-half and post-game. So I think the one thing about Conley going back in the lineup that's got to be figured out is with Royce sitting down, he was a guy who was only taking a couple of shots. And he was really deferring to the other four guys who all offered different stuff offensively and all need shots. Now Joe's that guy, and I don't think anybody thinks it's a good idea for a shooter as good as Joe to take so few shots. Plus, it sometimes, not always, but it sometimes takes the ball out of his hands, and he's also a very good passer. So even though these five guys are good, and individually you might say they're the five best, do the pieces fit together? Because I'm leaning towards no, they don't. And it's a small sample size, so I'm open to being wrong here. But right now I'm leaning towards they don't really fit. Maybe they will, but they haven't. Well, Mike Conley's not really a floor spacing guard who just you know sits in the corner and catches the ball and shoots a three as a spot-up shooter. It's just not ever who he's been. He's, he's pretty ball dominant. He's a high usage rate. 
and he's kind of a rhythm player. Even Quinn Snyder talks about how you know the, his substitution pattern. He plays twice in the first half. He plays the first what eight or nine minutes of the quarter, and then subs in with the last six or seven minutes of the uh, of the first half and gets up to fifteen minutes each half, and that's how he gets thirty minutes a game. He needs to be in longer, uh, and I think that means he needs to have the ball in his hands longer. Joe Ingles also isn't just a spot-up shooter. Now he can do it. He's one of the best in the NBA. But Joe Ingles gets shots when he's running the pick-and-roll with Rudy, and teams have to choose, okay, are we going to go under on this screen because we feel like we're going to get killed? And if you do that, Joe's going to hit a three. And if you go over, then Joe's just going to you know, cat-and-mouse you and, and get either a layup or get a lob to Rudy at the, at the rim, So, which is what makes Joe Ingles so good. He just doesn't get the, that many opportunities now with Mike Conley in the rotation uh, and playing as much as he does because Mike Conley needs the ball. So th- that is part of the issue. And, and th- there's a hard part where you still would rather Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich get shots than either of those guys. So you know, those guys need to be getting 15 to 20 shots a game. And, and then you have to have one more player in the starting lineup get a couple and Rudy Gobert's got to get 10 because he's so good to, or, or at the rim, and, and you're going to find opportunities through for him throughout the game because he's such a good dunker and because he makes himself available and knows how to get open. It, you just It does become a numbers game of, of how many shots he can take, and, and I'm sure Quinn will continue to toy with how to get one of those guys the ball more with Rudy Gobert, either in the starting lineup or in the second unit as, as things shift around. I do think that's going to be one of the big question, uh, questions for the Jazz over these last 30 games, but if they do solve it and you can get the best of both of those guys, then the Jazz can really be better than they are currently, and that's that's scary because the Jazz have been very good this season. So this is one of the more interesting seasons then. All those things you said lead me to think that, man, that's a headache to try to figure out all these things because you went down and you basically named off five or six guys and they got to do their thing, but not everybody can do their thing at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And here we are 50 games in and so much is unsettled, but yet at the same time, they've been winning a whole bunch of games except for this last streak. It makes me wonder, man, can this thing all be put together because there's so many just bits and pieces that need to happen? If it does happen, I agree with you, they'll be really good. But do you think that they can get it all done the way it needs to be and everybody is allowed to flourish to the best of their abilities going forward? You're not going to have all five guys playing their best. I don't think you're going to see that. Now, one of the things that's hard to appreciate now, and it's, it's something I'm sure the Jazz would say it's a good headache to have, is that they're going to be really versatile come the playoff time. Uh, come playoff time. So they're going to run into a team, and they're going to have a matchup, and they're going to say, well, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich can't give you 20 a game with this matchup because he's going up against Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard's going to have to take him away. Well, okay, so Kawhi's stuck on Boyan. Well, now he can't guard Donovan Mitchell. Okay, maybe Paul George can guard Donovan Mitchell. Okay, great. Now who's going to guard Mike Conley? Okay, maybe it is Patrick Beverly. Well, they've taken away your top three guys. Well, now you have a guy in Joe Ingles who's going to run the pick and roll, and it's really hard to stop that. So you're really happy to have Joe Ingles in that specific matchup playing that well. It's never going to be all five guys playing perfectly. But when you get to the postseason and you start drawing up matchups and you start scratching off, okay, one for one, two for two, we're scratching off our top guys, the Jazz keep going. And it gets really hard to match them up with their fourth guy or their fifth guy. And then... Let's say you can match up all five. Well, now the Jazz have a guy who can score 37 points and 24 in the fourth quarter, and it's Jordan Clarkson. 
okay, that gets really hard to slow down. So I do think that's part of the game for the Jazz. Is they never thought this was going to be the perfect machine, the way the Golden State Warriors operated, where it seemed like everyone could get theirs and was fantastic every night. I don't think that a that I don't think the Jazz are that talented. But they're certainly not that good. I mean, there's four Hall of Famers on that team. At one point, the Jazz don't have that. But I do think they like that idea that when it comes to the playoffs, they're going to be able to go down the line. And even if you're matching the top three and eliminating one another, the Jazz fourth, fifth, and sixth guys are going to be better than what you have. Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll hear on the pre half and post game show. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks. All right, there's Ben Anderson joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The other thing I think they're built for, which right now they're healthy, I think they're built more for injury, which we saw when Conley was out. Right now there might be, you know, too many shooters, not enough shots, and that's a headache, but you have to be built for injuries in the NBA because they happen, and when a guy goes out now, they still have options. Now, if everybody's there... It's a problem because there aren't enough minutes. But somebody gets hurt, you're going to be happy you have this depth. So if everyone's healthy, it's not good. But if someone's hurt, that's great. That really is counterintuitive to my brain. It is a little. I get that. But but you have to have have the next guy step up. He's got to be a guy with talent. I both get what you're saying, but it also just doesn't. Okay. Square up. Right. So I think we got to go along the assumption that they're going to be healthy. Then I think what Ben said then at the end is, it really important, is really important. When you're in the regular season, every night's a different challenge, a different matchup. But when you have two weeks to lock on and say, where's the weak spot? And NBA players, I think it's underrated. It's usually pretty high IQ basketball guys. Oh, they're definitely. Gonna yeah, know, yeah, yeah. They're going to know whoever the other team is. There's the weak spot. There's where we need to attack. Here's how they adjust. And they're going to know over the course of two weeks, here's how we're going to beat them. And it is going to be Boyan's going to get a lot of shots or Joe's going to take advantage of this matchup. Or when Clarkson comes off the bench, they don't have the bench. They're going to know. Okay, and you can't know in a regular season. You can't know teams the same way. It just the games come too fast. There's too many different opponents, and the playoffs are different. I mean, you've said it a million times. You know it's true. The playoffs are different, and one thing that makes them different is two weeks of prep, up to seven games over two weeks, and you really yeah. know this sure. is where they've got us, and that's where we. Oh, that's all well and good, but the the higher seed wins. Most way, of the time. So yeah. if you don't the higher have the, seed wins about two-thirds so of the So you can series. have all the uh, film work and understanding responsibility you want, but you're still the underdog here. So let's not just blow off the regular season. Well, that's not – you know, we get the playoff. Well, yeah. No! <laughs> Look at you. I cannot believe I've been doing this show with you no. for 15 years, and you're dismissing the playoffs and pumping up the regular season. I'm, Who are you, and what have you done I'm with Patrick not, Kinahan? I'm not dismissing anything, and we'll get to it, because I'll give you the exact answer why. Now, I have to come up with it in the next few minutes, but I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Uh, we'll get to that. Also, uh, the latest from Bracketology, Cougar fans care. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. How good was that St. Mary's win for BYU? You like words, I like numbers, PK. Give me a couple words to describe how good that, that win was. Well, there are no words to describe that. You are without speech? You are speechless? <laughs> well, if you're going to be dramatic, <laughs> let's make it dramatic. Let's make it way dramatic. I mean, it was uh, Tyson Jay's final no, best moment. Not final. Hopefully not final, but his best moment. I was moment. hoping not final. Yeah, I'm rooting for the kid. And that's TJ Hawes. And the, the, I've heard it's so BYU. Hit the game winner and then rush to the hospital to be the birth of your child. Yeah, that's Thanks for giving credence to my tweet. That's the uh, we, the BYU way. And, and that's all right. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I think it's all irrelevant right now, though. So nothing is set in stone. I mean, if you they can still blow yeah. it, so you're going to give me numbers, but these numbers are just meaningless. Bracketology right now is BYU as a seven seed there at ESPN. I, don't, I just don't know why you pay attention to that stuff. Had them as a ten seed last week, and they can have them as a twelve seed next week. Yep. <laughs> stuff. Who cares? Me. It, it and a percentage of our listener, you know, we should that should be a poll question. Do they we had care? To find out. We had to find out. Hey. I don't think they care. First of all, I don't think college basketball is nearly as big as you make it because it was your childhood sport. I know, so no, you I agree. pump it up. I agree. The it's rest of us big. yawn. Yeah, there, there's truth to that. I'm not even arguing that. <laughs> so, it's and, a and big now, deal to you. And now at the point, it's not that big a deal to me. I wish it were a bigger deal to me, and I'm bummed that it's not. But it isn't even a bigger well, deal. When to a me. team gets a big win, you go overboard. I tried to talk you off the ledge on Utah with Kentucky. Kentucky. But you didn't want to listen. No, I really and didn't. And you fell flat on your face. They were 9-2. Like and that was a quality win. We were finally going to have some good college basketball. Uh, I told you to back off. I just wish one time you would listen. Oh, once in a while I do. Not to Mostly me. Mostly after it's too late. <laughs> I listen eventually. And there's seven. They're, they're not a seven seed. They're a zero seed. There are, <laughs> zero no, seed. there are no seeds to be had now. It's all just guessing. Who, who cares what it is on February 3rd or 4th? It only matters once you get into March and you've locked it down within a two or three seed range. But in the first week of February... Yeah, we still got 10 games left. You can't lock it down. Yeah. Now, at the end of the month, and as we get into March... When you don't have the 10 yes, games to go. Usually, yeah. when I was covering the Utes for the Watchdog, I could pretty much get within one seed either way of Utah's seed. Because the evidence was substantial at that point, right? They played everybody. And for them, in many cases, the conference tournament was only going to be a singular seed drop. They probably weren't even going to rise on any, anything that they did in Vegas. And so you could, you could darn near nail it if you were paying attention like I was when it was my job. And so you could get that. But right now, it's just way too early. And, and the thing about it, in this crappy conference, if they lose... It's a big hit. Or you can even they, win and take a hit. If they lose two, it's horrific. Well, one of them being the Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, setting that aside. But, I mean, these other games. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to lose to Gonzaga, but you can assume, just for argument's sake. For them, it's about what is their worst case. For them, Realistically, for them, if they win a ball game in the NCAA tournament, they're jumping up and down because yep. they haven't been there, and that's a that breathes a little life into Mark Pope's program. I hope they do. I hope for the, for 
the seniors who've been there and Hawes being the guy. You know, he's taken a lot of crap over the years, came in with such a big rep and all that stuff. And be sweet as a senior to go out with a yeah. tourney, a trip to the tourney, and then a tourney win on top of it. It really would, yeah. And, uh, that and would I, be sweet. And I hope that for, for those guys. All right, well, it's out there. Poll question's out there on Twitter. After beating St. Mary's, ESPN Bracketology has BYU as a seven seed. Do you care about Bracketology now? Yep. No. Pretty simple. It's too early. Too much work. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. is going to be here at 9.30. We're closing in another recruiting day, PK. And we got transfers landing, too. We can ask him about all that stuff. And so we got one segment, open phones here. If you want to talk jazz next, we just heard from Ben Anderson. I'm buying you a little more time to come up with your theory. Well, this this idea of the jazz that they almost need an injury. Uh, that's too strong. They're equipped if they have it. That's different than needing one. You know, I, I think that the best teams are. But the fact is, when they had an injury, they played a lot better. And with Conley out, Ingles was better. Now Conley's back, and Joe's kind of reverting back to what he was. Yeah. All right, we'll get to all that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK.